a marriage-strengthening edition of Abounding Grace is right around the corner. God ordained marriage. He created it. And because he created it, he defined it. And because he defined it, when he gives direction of what will make our marriages work, then we want to follow them. And you could have carried some things over from your relationships in the world. You could have some sin issues that have breached the oneness or breached, brought a separation, but it's never too late to come back to the basics, to come back to the reality of God's desire for our marriages. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Many conflicts and disagreements in marriage center around sexual intimacy, but God doesn't want that to be the case. And so he addresses this very issue in 1 Corinthians 7. Pastor Ed Taylor is about to look at this very practical passage and show us how we can glorify God in marriage and specifically through sexual intimacy. We'll also be reminded of God's definition of marriage here on this, our Tuesday edition of Abounding Grace. Paul's kind of laying out for us, it's, it's good and it's okay to be single. It's good and it's okay to marry. Verse 3, let the husband render to his wife the affection due her, and likewise also the wife to her husband. The wife does not have authority over her own body, but the husband does. And likewise, the husband does not have authority over his own body, but the wife does. Do not deprive one another, except with consent, for a time, that you may give yourselves to fasting and prayer and come together again, so that Satan does not tempt you because of your lack of self-control. We learned last time that in marriage and in, in marriage and primarily, there's a oneness that takes place. There is a oneness that God created in marriage. Which brings us to the third point he's making in this section. If you're married, live like you're married, not single. And that's a great temptation. If you're married, then live like you're married. Devote yourself to your spouse. A wholeheartedly and completely, a huge problem arises when a married person decides to live the single lifestyle while he or she is married. Once you make a covenant and commitment to your spouse and you exchange vows before God and man, a new creation is created in the Lord. You're one now with your spouse. You cannot live like you're single any longer. It's a huge danger. And as a married person now, he gives direction. Let the husband give to his wife affection. Listen to it from the New Living Translation, verse 3. It says... The husband should not deprive his wife of sexual intimacy, which is her right as a married woman, nor should the wife deprive her husband. And some in the church, it seems, believe that even though they were married, it was more spiritual within the marriage to abstain from sexual intimacy. That yes, they're married, but they're not connecting in oneness. And again, this is a view that's even held by some today. 
the thought goes like this. Sex is only for procreation. So therefore, we will only engage in sex for children and nothing else ever. And that is a widely held view today. And it's just not what the Bible teaches. The Bible is so different when it broaches the topic of sex. Sex is a gift of God given to man, given to marriage, to be enjoyed within the confines of marriage. Turn over here. Let me show you in Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4. And indeed, these are verses that are often misunderstood. They're often misused. I mean, this is a section where all sorts of horrible demands are placed upon, primarily wives. Husbands will come to 1 Corinthians chapter 7 here and just make crazy demands on the wife. And they'll even use this verse I'm going to show you in Hebrews 13. And, And they misuse it. And I'll explain that in a moment. We want to be careful just to understand the, the, the broad picture that the Holy Spirit is teaching us here as it relates to the marriage relationship. In Hebrews chapter 13, verse 4, the writer to the Hebrews says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed, the married bed, is undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers God will judge. And so sex being a gift from God, we don't have time to get into the depths. This is probably better for a marriage ministry study and getting to the depths of how, these, how God uses sex within the marriage and the value of it and the joy of it. But I would challenge you, if you're questioning this and you're wondering about it, just read the Song of Solomon and just read it as like, wow, this is an incredible relationship in marriage. The things that they're sharing with one another, the, the things that they're, they're enjoying with one another, it's, well, the Bible says, let the husband render to his wife the affection that's due her, and also likewise the man, or each woman have her own husband, likewise the wife to her husband. There's an agreement, a mutual agreement within the marriage. As you read through these verses again, you begin to see how sexual love within the marriage is a privilege and a pleasure and a responsibility in that relationship. And there's no distinction here. There's no distinction. The husband has no more rights than the wife, and the wife has no more rights than the husband. And sexual relations within the marriage is to be based on love, not selfishness. That we're to serve one another in marriage. It's not ever to get to a place where sex is used as a weapon, used as a tool for manipulation, to coerce, or to hold over someone's head. And you might just be sitting here just wondering, what is he talking about? That is so foreign to me. But these are very common things that disrupt a marriage. Common. More common than you know. And if you have avoided this your entire marriage, great. If you're praying about and entering in perhaps to premarital, then these are things to avoid. And it's never to get to a place within the marriage where sex is to be demanded or even having to be begged for. There is a mutual cooperation between the husband and the wife. And when you come into the marriage with the attitude is, I live to serve my spouse. I live to serve my husband. I live to serve my wife and meet his or her needs. When you have two people engaged in that desire to serve one another. A husband loving his wife as Christ loved the church. A wife submitting unto her husband as she does unto the Lord. And then they enter into that relationship of desire. God begins to bring in depth in oneness. But here's the danger that Paul's 
referring to here, as you see in verse 5. To refuse sexual intimacy in the marriage is to commit robbery from your spouse. And it opens up the door to place your spouse in a position of great, or I would even say greater, temptation to seek satisfaction elsewhere. And the enemy always has satisfaction available elsewhere, sinful satisfaction. Not biblical, not godly, but the enemy's always knocking on the door. And it doesn't even have to be another person physically. It could be weird stuff on the internet, and it could be all kinds of weird enemy is, you know, the Bible says that we are not ignorant of his devices. Just remember, you're not ignorant of his devices. He's not dumb. What Paul says is, in that depriving one another, it's mutual. So, so he says, don't deprive one another except, okay, so here's the deprivation of sexual relations in the marriage, except with consent. That's a mutual agreement. It's not one or the other. It's a mutual agreement. And in that consent, that in that deprivation, for that period of time, there's a lot of viewpoints in commentaries of what, cons- what, what a time is. Uh, it's probably just a few days. That's probably what it's referring to, where there's a mutual consent for a time that during that time then you replace the desire for sexual intimacy with your spouse with a time of prayer and fasting, seeking the Lord. And how often can you think of married couples where there was deprivation in this area, but it wasn't with consent and it wasn't to seek the Lord and the enemy just used it to wreak havoc in your marriage? If we would follow this more often, there would be much more oneness in our marriages. And Paul just lays it out which is number four in our list, where he says, don't deprive one another for a long time. Sometimes there may be that need for a time of separation spiritually and sexually, but it should only be a short time. And give yourself during that time to prayer and fasting. The motive is always to seek the Lord and come back together. And these are just great reminders for us as a church in a culture that has so confused the marriage relationship. God ordained marriage. He created it. And because he created it, he defined it. And because he defined it, when he gives direction of what will make our marriages work, then we want to follow them. And this is an area that has stumbled many, many Christians in their marriage. And you could have carried some things over from your relationships in the world You could have some sin issues that have breached the oneness or breached, brought a separation, but it's never too late to come back to the basics, to come back to the reality of God's desire for our marriages. Now remember, don't forget you singles, God has already ministered to you in relation to your singleness. It's okay to be single. But because of sexual immorality, it's okay to get married. And if you are married, then these are the principles that are going to help your marriage grow and become strong and clear insights. No matter what weird thing is popular in our culture, God's standard rings true. And there's so many weird things that our culture throws at us to try to develop this intimacy in marriage. And and really, only God brings that oneness. You, You don't want to veer off the boundaries of what God has designed, especially in our age of technology and the opportunities for sexual sin that, that are so rampant among us. They're just, temptations are just all over the place. 
And the married bed being undefiled doesn't mean that you can bring weirdness into your marriage bed. That as you discuss these relationships with one another, married couples, there needs to be a mutual agreement and a valuing of your spouse above anything else. And one of the things that grieves me so often as we're dealing with marriages is the ability for a husband or even a wife to bring weirdness into the marriage, sexual weirdness that doesn't belong. You'll notice there aren't three people mentioned in this text, in the marriage. There isn't two people mentioned and a DVD. There isn't two people mentioned and something that you got off of YouTube or you ordered online or a magazine advertisement. There, there isn't two people in the marriage and something that Cosmo put out to help your sex life or one of those phone apps that, that try to make spice up your life. This is between you and one of you. It's just the two of you. And anytime you go outside of those boundaries, friend, you're going to pay a price every time. So the best thing to do is if you're having problems in these areas, before you ever even call a pastor to let us come alongside and help you, is to stop everything that you're doing and begin to seek the Lord in prayer and fasting. That's a great decision. It's just like all kinds of weirdness is entered into my... And it applies the same way with singles. You know, when God addresses singles, you know what he, how he addresses singles? One person. Not one person in a DVD, not one person in the Internet, not one... It's one person. And you want to remain as one person. You don't want to engage in sexual sin in any other way. And before you ever seek help, seek the Lord. He'll give you wisdom. He'll give you power over temptation. He'll fill you a fresh believer with the Holy Spirit. He'll help you process these thoughts and these things are going. And he'll work you. He'll work you into a place of submitting to him again. And so it's not much like, unlike what's going on in Corinth in our own society and and you just got to be careful. It really doesn't matter what the law says or what people voted for. The Bible says that marriage is one man, one woman, one lifetime, period. That's it. There's no other definition of marriage. You can't even use that word to describe other relationships. Dogs don't get married. <laughs> Animals don't get married. One man, one woman. That's marriage. Everything else is not God's desire. And it really doesn't matter what culture says. It really doesn't matter if laws have been passed. It really doesn't matter if churches, as we see, are bringing weird definitions of marriage into the church. You know, what we have done as a church, last year we stepped back, considering the culture that we're in, we stepped back as a leadership, our board, and we began to review the bylaws, the defining documents of what describes us as a church to the world. And in our bylaws, we added language very, very specifically considering the culture that we're in to make sure that people understand the beliefs that we have based on the scriptures in light of marriage. And we defined it very clearly. We made it abundantly obvious to anyone that would review those documents that this is what we believe is marriage. This is what we believe is God's heart and we will cling to it, you'll have to rip the bylaws out of our hands and knock the Bibles out of our hands before we cave in, which we'll never cave in. Just throw us in jail. Just come and take me and put me in handcuffs and take me to jail because I will cling to the word of God for the sake of the flock 
and for the sake of a clarion call of purity and righteousness in a world that doesn't accept it. And that's just where we're at. It's kind of sad that we would have to define it that way. <laughs> it's kind of sad that we'd have to spend 12 months working on language and having, uh, having other people review it for us to make sure that we're solid on it. But knowing that the, the, the culture that we're in, knowing how there is this attempt to go after churches, to try to take them down, to try to undo the work of God, We've done our best as a leadership team to put together the right definitions so that even you, as you're raising your kids, and even you, as you're getting married, even you, as you're living in your singleness, will know that we have a commitment to the Word of God. And, and don't ever misunderstand that, because when we start to talk about such things, especially in light of the homosexual community, those that are wrestling with homosexuality, but more than that, those that are just sold out to to be radical in spreading this homosexual message, and they're just radical. They'll always begin to say, well, that's all just hate, man. That's intolerance, and that's hate. And don't fall for that. I do not hate those that are caught up in sexual sin at all. I've devoted my life to help them be delivered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I don't hate you if you are in that category. You're listening on the radio right now. Well, you hate homosexuals. No, we don't. We love you, and we know that you're caught up in sexual sin. And there's a, a movement abroad to try to justify that and try to establish you in it. And, and even the laws of the land redefining marriage, and, and it's not helping you, not telling you the truth. That your only hope is Jesus Christ. And even though that wasn't one of the sins that I was caught up in or ever committed, I've got enough sins in my life that I was in bondage to. That I needed somebody to tell me the truth, Ed. Your only hope is Jesus Christ. You can't keep living this way. This is his design. This is his desire. And I'm here to tell you, as we've seen in the book of 1 Corinthians, as Paul's listening on all those sins, does, don't you love the phrase, and such were some of you? I love that. And that's what's possible for you. You can be in that category. So please don't take our biblical stand the creator of the universe handed it down to us. And we teach it as truth because it is. It's truth not only from a biblical perspective, but from all sorts of other sociological and emotional, the damage of homosexuality, the damage of, of sexual sin in general, it just goes deep. It goes beyond. Even the Bible says that. We looked at that as you join yourself to a harlot, you're one with that harlot, and that's a problem. Because your design, oneness is only designed in the marriage. We, we go into a whole different set of circumstances, but when we begin to take a stand on the Word of God, and, and as I begin to take a stand on the Word of God because the Bible is beginning to teach it, and it hits you personally, don't immediately put up a wall and say, you're intolerant, you're intolerant, when in reality, that sort of response, you're being intolerant with me. You're not willing to, to listen to me. You're not willing to hear me out. You're not willing, you know, the Bible says in Isaiah chapter 1, Isaiah is calling out through God is using Isaiah to call out. And you know what God says through Isaiah? He says, come, let us reason together. And so by you having this response of you're full of hate, you're a homophobe or whatever other labels that try to trip you up. I'm not full of hate. I'm not a homophobe. I love you. I want to see you grow in the things of God. I want to see you delivered, whatever sin it might be. But because we're talking about marriage, I think it's important to establish the Bible is very clear. The definition of marriage is very simple. And let's just, in love, tell people the truth and be available to them 
to draw them away from a lifestyle that's destroying them from the inside out. Living a life that internally is really tore up. You know, any type of sexual sin will do that to you. You step outside the boundaries of God. When you put your head down on the pillow at night, you're one messed up cookie. You may not feel it yet. You may not see it yet. But I'm telling you, inside you're not right with the Lord. And even though your mind might be able to explain things away, in the depth of your relationship with the Lord, your spirit is troubled. You have a troubled spirit living in sexual sin or any type of sin. You're troubled. You can pretend it's not there. You might even be able just to be so tired that you can fall asleep, but you're going to have to put your head down on the pillow tomorrow too, if the Lord should allow. And you have to do it again where the Holy Spirit, you're just going to hear the Holy Spirit knocking on your heart constantly. Hey, son, come back. Hey, daughter, that's not my desire for you. Hey, thanks for joining us today on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. He's been covering 1 Corinthians 7. You can hear this again at calvaryco.church. And Pastor Ed, today you were describing God's definition of marriage, and we've certainly seen a departure from this in the world as we know it, haven't we? You know, we have seen a departure from the traditional biblical definition of marriage. And let me just say what that is. One man, one woman, one lifetime. But the deviation from God's design actually isn't new at all. Uh, We see it in our culture today, and we see it in different ways, but it's not new at all. I mean, just think about in our culture in the last 50 years, the divorce rate among believers, followers, those that say they're followers of Jesus Christ, is as high or higher than the divorce rate of those that reject God. And like James says, these are, this ought not to be. And that's a deviation from not just the sexual orientation, not just the redefinition, not just a radical homosexuality, the agenda of the radical homosexuality. It's not just that. It is the heart and condition of man. And it makes sense that a culture would want to validate its own sins. And I have to say, Larry, and this is hard to hear for some, but the church wants to validate these sins as well. And God never does. He hates divorce. He calls it a sin. He calls adultery a sin, fornication a sin. It's, it is a departure. But, you know, the world has been in rebellion against God for a long time. You know, from the very first sin, they, Adam and Eve running away from God. Man has been running away from God ever since. And hearts get harder the more you run away from God, not softer. And so we're just dealing with the hardness of heart. And we're in a culture war for sure, but the war is won through the gospel of Jesus Christ. And I just think of my own life and how God's gospel, the grace of God, the blood that was shed for me, completely, radically transformed my life. And no longer was I going with the flow of culture, but I immediately began to go with the flow of God and His Spirit. And that's the hope of our world today. So, you know, you have somebody that's going through marital problems, pray for them. You hear about someone, you know, being tempted with sexual sin, pray for them. We have a whole new group of people that feel validated in their sin when it comes to homosexuality and lesbianism and and, uh, that type of thing. And And may we just have a heart to reach the lost, a broken heart that weeps over our cities uh, like Jesus. 
What a good reminder of God's heart to reach the lost. And may we share that care, love, and concern. Here in the month of May, we picked out an excellent book written by Ray Bentley called The Holy Land Key, Unlocking End Times Prophecy Through the Lives of God's People in Israel. It's one thing to read prophecy and quite another to step into its fulfillment. It can be easy to miss the significant signs contained in the stories of biblical characters in God's creation and in the lives and actions of today's Israelis and Palestinians. That's where Ray Bentley steps in to help in the Holy Land Key. And we'll send you a copy with our thanks for a gift of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. And please remember, it's through your financial support that we're able to come to you day by day on this station. Your gift, whatever the size, would be greatly appreciated and put to good use. Reach us toll-free at 877-30-GRACE or go online to calvaryco.church. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Don't miss our next study in 1 Corinthians with Pastor Ed Taylor tomorrow on Abounding Grace. And may God richly bless you with His abounding grace. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado.